it's in an old little, we're in an old little tea factory. South Brunswick, it's quite nice, as you can see all sort of, the nice parts of central London, but you just, the immediate area is quite gross. It's just a bit uh, vanny and industrial, but it's, it's nice, loads of good lighters, which is what I need. Uh, I've been here for just over a year. I was in my parents' garage for about a year and a half before that, which was fun. But it was just quite nice to get my own space and just be able to make loads of noise and not have to worry, which is quite nice. There's quite a few different creatives here. There's all sorts in here, which is quite cool as well. There's like um, 3D printers, screen printers, ceramic studio just around the corner as well. So even though it is pretty industrial, it's quite a nice mix. The guy that's just moved in, he's an engineer and he works a lot with random things in metal. And every time he comes in here, he's like, oh, like, oh, look at this machine or this, I can do something with this. I'm like, yeah, sure. Sometimes you don't realise, though, what your sort of your strengths are. You might enjoy doing something, but you could be rubbish at it. And it's sort of, yeah, guiding you on the way to do it. But I did um, design tech at A-level. I mean, even before that, we had a wood workshop at school and hardly anyone ever used it. So I could just like, have free reign of it. Yeah, it was great. And... Um, so yeah, I was, I, we did a lot of sculpture and a lot of, well, my main subjects were like art, design and IT. So it was like, it's all sort of helped. Um, so I did that at A-level um, design tech. So we were building lighting, building furniture. So I was always in the wood workshop, never really knew what I wanted to do, but I knew it was to be in sort of property or objects or homeware. And I did interior architecture at uni in Manchester um, School of Art. And then sort of, fell out of touch with the making things because it was the recession. No one, no one wanted to hire you during then. So it was like literally graduated in 2009 and was told that I wasn't going to get a job. So I went into retail as you do. I was like, right, I'll stay in Manchester for a little bit. Stayed up there for maybe four years after I graduated doing different uh, retail jobs. But then it was always leading into the visual merchandising side of it. So I was building the shop windows, like rearranging re the shops, like doing shop fits. So I worked for um, an independent vintage company for two years and then I worked for a British um, fashion brand for another two years and I opened eight new stores across the UK for them. So I was sort of like really hands-on doing all the designing and of the actual shop layout as well, which was quite nice. And yeah, it was sort of like, oh yeah, it's quite good making things, isn't it? It was on a more sort of instant sort of level. So you'd literally walk in and be like, right, this needs to go here, that needs to go there, this is what the window should look like. So it was very instant and it was very there and then. But I got um, made redundant from that job and moved, and moved back to London about three and a half years ago. And the job that I got, I was a concept designer in fashion, so I was trend forecasting. I was like, I don't want to do this. You always had to, I mean, obviously every year you have four, sort of four to six seasons in fashion and they all follow a basic similar pattern. So in spring you'll have certain like lighter jackets, like some florals, in summer it's like bolder florals, and then colour's a big part of it, and pattern and print was what's the area that I focused on. So um, there were three of us in our team, one, um, so colour, pattern and print, one was like uh, style, and the other one sort of looked at more cultural references. So we'd all do sort of shopping trips and visit loads of galleries and just see what was going on in the wider world and how that could influence fashion. And it was, the first day I went in, I mean, the first sort of month, no one spoke to me because they were like, oh, you're from a store. You don't know anything about fashion. And it was like, well, I'm the p person that's there every day, like selling these items, like wearing the items that I'm selling and talking about them. I don't necessarily be like 
told what to wear and that was what I was doing was predicting what people should be wearing in the next 18 months and it's like well if I like this I like it if I don't I don't like it doesn't it shouldn't really matter and that was one of the things I found a bit I found it I found it really tricky but they ended up actually making us redundant from that role because they realized that it wasn't really needed so we were doing all the pre-research for the design team presenting it as a season and a concept and then from there they'd take all our research and design a season from it but being a designer you're going to be aware of all these things going on anyway. So they were like, yeah, we've seen that show or we've seen that, we've seen that's going on. So it was like, right, well, all this information I'm giving you is totally pointless. And we'd spend about four months putting together this document and it was literally flipped through and read in about 10 minutes. And I was making something that had no purpose and it just was, seemed so stupid to me. So I started just going on. I was like, what happened? I used to make things. So I'm going to start making things again. So I just went on loads of different courses just doing little things like screen printing, weaving, and I uh, did like a little jewellery course, I did a, and a bushcraft course randomly, and I was like, that's great. Like, yeah, I used to make things out of wood all the time, why did that stop? So it was quite nice to sort of get back into it, and I went and bought tools the next day. Went, there's a great bushcraft shop in Enfield. So I'm just that weird girl that turns up and asks about all the knives, and like, so how do you sharpen this? And I'm always there for an hour each time I go, and they're like, oh, hey. Like, everyone like scurries out to the back, and I'm there with all my questions. Like, so what's this for, and this, and this one? And they're like, oh, go away. But yeah, so I literally went there and bought loads of stuff, that I, like all the tools that I, I used, went and bought them all, and just sat in my parents' garden the next day, and was just like chopping stuff down. And it was just really nice. And I found that I was doing it more and more, because my job was getting worse and worse. So I started doing it more and more when I got home. So that was just a, a nice way to just get away from this really pointless work that I was doing that the people were just not very nice. And it was just, you know, they were all really focused in this industry and I just didn't care. I wasn't, I didn't care about what people are gonna be wearing in 18 months. I wanted something, you know, useful that you could, you could see something more of an instant result. That's where I got my sort of satisfaction from making and working from is just seeing something in the more immediate Whereas, you know, I'd work on this project in 18 months, it would look nothing like what it started as. So it was just sort of like, go home, make a spoon and be like, I've made that, I can use it now. And, it's, and it was just really lovely that, be like, mom, dad, check this out. I made this today and you can use it now. And it was just like, yeah, well done, well, that's nice. You know, yeah, that's sweet, carry on sort of thing. So it was, um, yeah, so I started doing that more and more. And then when I finally did get made redundant, I was sort of like, oh, I've started making spoons. I might sort of see, I've got six months worth of pay. I've got six months to do something. And if I don't do it now, I'm never gonna do it. And if, if nothing happens in six months, I'll get a job, it's fine. But at least I've tried and at least, you know, something's happened. So I've, um, I'd already had an Instagram account that I was documenting my progress. And I went to the Prince's Trust and I was like, I've got this idea. I, I want to do it properly, I want to write a business plan, I want to sort of see if this could work. And so when I did their course, I, I think I was one of the quickest people to ever do it. Normally it takes eight months, and I was like, it's, you don't need eight months. Like, you don't need eight months to put together an idea to pay. I already had the idea, I literally just needed to tick all the boxes and fill everything out, so I did it in about three. And I think I got made redundant in April, and by November, I was trading in sort of Christmas markets. I was already fully funded by the Prince's Trust. I'd gone through everything. So it was just, and I, you know, I've got a business mentor now that I see once a month and we just chat about business. But it was just, I wanted to do it properly because you see so many people and starting like companies and they just, I was putting everything into it. Like, you know, my redundancy pay was going into it and 
all this time. And I was like, if this is going to be something, I need to do it now and properly or not. When you know, like, yeah, I could do it half-assed and maybe get somewhere in a few years. But I just was like, I've got to do it and see where it goes. And if it doesn't, you know, then I've, I've had fun and I've made nice things along the way. My uncle's a builder that works on uh, reclamation, sorry, renovation of period properties. So I just get all loads of timber from him and loads of bits and pieces. And I've got this as a delivery from Lasco that came yesterday. And I just keep bringing stuff, just brilliant. So I don't have enough space for it all. I'm, I turn a lot of things down. Um, I, you know, one of the beauty, you know, the great things of being able to work for yourself is that you can turn stuff down. But then I'll either see, you know, I'll see other people doing it or, uh, you know, like, fuck, I should have done that. I'm like making all these enemies. They're not going to want to work with me. Like all these great companies that I'm turning down. But it's like, it's not right. Like it doesn't, like, I had a, quite a big company. I think I we might have spoken about this before, but it was quite a big company got in touch with me and they wanted loads of products from me. And it was quite a short time frame. And it's like, it's, it's not right. I went to their shop and they had a set of salad servers that were 30 quid and they were 12 quid in the sale. And it's like, you still can't sell them for 12 pounds. Why would you want some that are like, you know, 80, 100 pounds and they'll be sat there. And it's just, it's like, I'm not gonna, you know, slug my guts out to make however many items for you for, to not get paid, to do them on sale or return, to not get paid for them until, you know, the end of the line. And for them just to sit there, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'd rather sort of, protect it a bit more and you need to protect your brand and you need to make sure you're doing you're working with the right people and not just sort of not selling out but yeah selling out i don't know it, it can be really tricky as well because you don't want people to take advantage of you and it is tricky to say no to things but then at the same time it's like you know you do things like that and you know you'll never do things on that sort of scale again i did a project for them and it just took so much longer than i thought it was going to take and it got to the point where i, I stayed here Oh, it was about 11 o'clock and I was like, you know, you know, in the zone, you're like, right, I'm just going to smash it through. And then it, I was like, but I, and I was delivering it the next day. So I had to wait for it to be light enough to take pic decent pictures of it. Because I was like, I'm not sending them away without taking decent pictures. So I was just sort of like, oh, I couldn't even sleep. I was so like buzzing from all the coffee and just like, oh, I just need to take pictures. Wait for the sun to come up. Just looking at them like, I fucking hate you. I really hate you. All of you. You just destroyed my life for the past two months. For what? Like, it's like, just getting really angry at them. And yeah, they've still not released the project yet. So I'm just like, I've got all these images waiting to like post. Because during that time as well, I couldn't really, I was only working on that. So I didn't really have anything to post on social media or talk about. And all I wanted to do was talk about it. And I couldn't. And I still can't. And it just, yeah, it drives me insane sometimes when you do stuff like that. So I'd rather just be able to just, you know what? So make things, do what I want. If people like them, then they like them. If they don't, then fine. But I'm never taking on commissions that big again. Like, I do this because I enjoy it. And when it's someone's on at you, like, where's that, this, where's that, you know, that? I asked for 20 of those in a week. It's like, oh, I didn't do this for you. Like, and that's what it is. It's like, you know, and, and most of the time you are making items, but you're selling them for half of their value or, you know, and it's not, and obviously it's not all about money, but if you live in London, it helps. Like, you know, you've got to make a living somehow. And if you're doing all these all this stuff and then and it's like oh, can you just do another another ten of those or just do another of that and it's like it's really not it's, yeah it's just like you're right it's just not organic and it's just so forced and it makes me just really dislike what i'm doing because there is so much pressure on doing it whereas if you do you know just do it at your own pace and do things that you want to do it's just like oh, everything is so easily you know oh, i need this i can order it on amazon it's here in an hour and 
Like, that's ridiculous. You can, you know, get things that quickly. And I, yeah, you're right, everyone wants it there and then. So when, when they email me and I'm like, yeah, it'll be four to six weeks. And they're like, what? It's like, well, it's, you know, it's not sat there ready in a factory, in a room somewhere waiting to get on a van to come straight to you. It's, you know, it's a piece of wood. Like, it's, it's got to be, you know, made into that. And so, yes, yeah, I mean, my brother, for example, doesn't get it at all. He, he like, he's so supportive and he loves what I do, but he just doesn't get it. So he lives in the Middle East and he, um, every time he comes over, he's like, oh, Soph, man, like, you know that I can just find you, like, five guys and they'll just, you know, they'll smash these out for you. And I'm like, that is not the point. Like, it's not the point. He's like, yeah, but just think how much, you know, more successful you can be. And I was like, yeah, but... That's not how my success is measured. Like I don't, it's not measured in you know the amount of stock that I have. It's like my satisfaction in doing it, and you know just yeah the pleasure of having something that you know has completely been made like here from timber that's been like located so locally and you know that you can actually meet me and you, I can you know, sell it to you in person. Like you can't get that many places, and it's he's sort of he's like I don't know you know you just. You can, you know, you can do it, you know, we can do this. And I'm like, nah. But yeah, that's, you know, that's, and it's funny as well, because, you know, I went to Morocco maybe a couple of years ago. Well, woodworkers there, that stuff's incredible, but it is all sort of more machine made and it is more, um, it's, it's sort of people in like, in a, it's like a wood shop, but it's a factory wood shop and they, they're just churning things out in like tiny little rooms and it's it's nice but it's still like oh, it's just still not quite the same it's still quite like a factory vibe about it and it's just yeah it's, it's tricky to try and get change people's perceptions of things it's annoying and I, yeah I, you know i trained up especially because i can't I mean, i'm barely paying myself so i can't then afford to pay someone else i just i hate the idea of unpaid work because you won't have the like the the love of wanting to do it it's just like yeah, and if you know, those days when you really, really need some help and they're like, oh, I've got to do my uni project or I can't come in today, I've got to go look at houses and you can't get mad because they're there for free and you, you know, they're giving up their time to come help you out so that you can get paid and it's like, you can't, I can't, so I'm kind of against unpaid work. I, I mean, I've I kind of refused to do it myself for the same reason. It's like, I mean, I've worked in companies, worked so, so hard for people and earned minimum wage and it's like, what for? for? So even getting, you know, even sometimes when you're getting paid, you almost need to get some, something more out of it. And I guess, you know, you are learning skills and, you know, you're meeting people that you wouldn't normally meet, but it's tricky. And then on the other side of things as well, it's people know your story and it's like if they know that you've not made something, it's tricky. It's, it's tricky from going from sort of a maker to a brand and people sort of, I don't want to piss people off. Things and it's I've got a friend of mine, Sam, who's a carpenter. He lives up north. I learnt a load of stuff off him, um, and I go and see him all the time. And he's just like, "What are you doing? Like, why are you doing it that way?" And I'm like, "You get the same result in the end. Like, don't worry about it. Like, we'll all get there." Yeah, it is really tricky because there's you know there's loads of different ways. People work. People are always work in different ways, and it's it is tricky when you, when you are in that environment where someone knows what they're doing. You just don't you just don't really think about it, do you? You think that, you know, yeah, everyone's gonna be able to do that, but there's things that I can't, you know, that loads of my mates can do that I have no idea about. It's just one of those things that I'm just more of a practical I've all, I've always been this way though, like even when I was really little, just always making things, always just figuring things out. And even with cooking, like just open the cupboards. Yeah, yeah, fine. Oh, what's in the fridge? Yeah, cool. Got some veggies in the garden, right. Make dinner. 
Whereas some people, are like a few of my friends, it's like, there's nothing! And you're like, are you kidding me? Like, you could literally make a five course meal with what you've got here. So yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just different, different ways of thinking and it's just tricky. I mean, so one of the things I'm doing to sort of move away from that is still making things at the same speed and the same level that I'm going at, but also I'm turning into more of a homeware brand. So for this Christmas, I'm doing like the gathering edit because I'm doing a few um, gatherings and supper clubs and things like that. So it's like, why not tie in all the things that I'm doing with that? So sourcing all this amazing homeware, like tableware to use from other people and tie it all in. So this year I'll be selling some pictures I can show you actually. Just um, So yeah, I've got these cups that are like handmade in Hackney by Andrea and I, I use her stuff anyway. Like I already own so much of her stuff. So it's like, I love that. Why don't I shout about it? Why don't I make more of an edit of things that so it's a set table of things that you can buy. So I'll have table linens, I'll have like the beautiful handmade cups, I've got these beautiful plates, I've got um, this concrete trivet that a friend of mine's made. So it's like, um, it's absolutely beautiful. And it's, you know, it's things that I love and that I would have in my home and that I would use. So why not, you know, use my website as a platform to be able to shout about these things and then at the same time I'm making a really beautiful collection of things that I would have anyway so it's all like that's handmade out of paper so it's origami paper cast in sort of like silicone and then uh, poured with concrete you can even see like the folds in the paper and then I've got um, these really beautiful candles that are handmade in Leighton and are the same ones that are used in St Paul's Cathedral and I've got this ketchup that my friend Dixie makes pomegranate ketchup made in London like it's incredible and it's like it's all this stuff I already use they're people that are sort of you know my contemporaries now like I'm friends with them all I love what they do why not make it as more of a solid like beautiful collection of things and then that just frees me up a little bit so it's not just and it also just makes it quite exciting because it's like you know what yeah I'm gonna go source all this cool stuff and it's not just me sat here making and it's it just you know and it just it's I think for the future as well it just helps me build more of a homeware brand and more of a solid collection of things so that's sort of where i'm headed my dad's family like african immigrants my mum's italian so it's like italian immigrants so everyone like from like two super like hard-working families so that they've worked solidly their whole lives and i'm just like yeah i'm gonna make some spoons today you know yeah chat about some ketchup and they're like what are you doing so i see that see how like hard they've worked and i'm like oh my god i'm actually doing nothing so for me it's like i don't know i'm always pushing myself to work and then i like they'll be like, you've been at the studio for like 12 hours, 15 hours, and you're like, ah, oh, but I could always be there for more. And it's like, I don't know, I really struggle with turning off and actually stopping. And that's one thing some of my friends don't get. Like, it's Friday, what are you doing? I'm just in the studio. Why? It's like, because I've got, it's Christmas, I've got shit to do. And they're like, yeah, but can you not just stop? And it's like, I can't. Like, it's not the same as, you know, you, you can go to work, turn up on a Monday, leave on a Friday, and you'll get paid like, you know, 40 grand a year. And that's fine. That's yeah, yeah, fair enough, it's hard work and it's different and it's stressful. But then when it's you when it's you, I just I don't feel like I'm ready. I just need to just need to keep pushing it in the moment. I'm just yeah, I guess worried in that sense because it's like I need to start thinking about buying a house, I need to start thinking about a future, like I need to start thinking about this. Whereas they're like, Yeah, I've got a mortgage, got this, and I'm like, yeah, I'm living with my parents, I'm like 30 soon. Like it's it's quite it's just it is a bit scary in that respect where it's like it's so unpredictable because I I could have an accident tomorrow. And I could not do, uh, not, not, not be able to do anything. And it would literally be like, right, so I've got to take all this shit downstairs, like get it out of here. It's like, what would I do? 
so it's it's really tricky. Like you just don't you just don't know what you know what I could be doing next month, what next year. Like I really don't know, but I feel like if I can start building something that uh, it's not just me, but it's not someone else coming into what into what I'm doing. So by buying other things in and by sort of doing more sort of supper clubs, supper clubs and sort of nice dinners and things like that. It's tying in all the things that I really enjoy, like eating, like <laughs> eating and styling and talking. Uh, so I can do that, and then it's as it slowly gets bigger, I, I'd be able to move into like right. So I could then go and style a show home, show home, because that's basically what my course was, you know, like redesigning buildings. Because then and then moving, that's the sort of progression that I'm hoping it's going to take. And then once I've got that backing of doing a few sort of bigger things, I'll then be able to move on and maybe sort of do some consultancy or something like that because you're right it's so physical and it, it won't be forever because I've been in jobs where I'm way more qualified than the people above me yeah. and they don't know what they're doing and you have to just sometimes just keep your mouth shut so when I started uh, I think it was maybe last year or the year before I just was like I need a bit of extra cash and not only that when working on my own living at home with my mum and dad working in the garage and like it's about an hour away from here so it was just like all my mates aren't going to come this far and see me. I'm at home and I need some sort of social interaction where I can earn some money and not, you know, give my hands a rest as well. And then just having something, I don't like brainless job. So I worked in a shoe shop selling trainers and I'd been sort of shop, you know, managed retail shops for sort of four or five years before that as a manager. And I was coming in as a cashier and some of the stuff that the, the manager would say to customers, I was just like, you're a fucking idiot. You have no idea. Like, you cannot speak to people like that. You're a representative of this company and that is what you're coming out with. And generally, like, it's hilarious. Like, I was like, you're getting paid. I think I was on maybe like a tenner an hour and she was on sort of like 20 an hour. And I was just like, you're hilarious. Like, you have no idea what you're doing. But then that comes back down to people that are just in jobs to get paid. And they might, you know, they don't want to be there. And that's fine, but I think like where, as in all the jobs I've been, always put in the effort and you're always gonna try and do your best because ultimately, it, you know, it reflects on you and you're not gonna get anywhere in that company if, you know, oh, you know, because we used to get mystery shops and things like that. So you'd have to always be giving your best. And it's like, there were, there were jobs, so I started off in the management level and I wanted to be a visual merchandiser and it was like, right, well, if I do that, I'm gonna have, if I want to get in with this company and do that sort of thing, I'm gonna to have to prove to them that I can do it. So you, you know, you're always sort of proving yourself. And if, if you if you want to stay in retail forever, and if you want to do certain things forever, then that's fine. But I guess it's just you know wanting it more and want, wanting to progress. But it's just it's tricky. I think. It's, but yeah, the states is I definitely think one of those places where everyone customer service is like key to a lot of things. Even in you still get it now in like John Lewis things like that. I got great customer service in in the cinema the other day. And I sort of walked away and I was like, gosh, she was lovely. Because this is like a part of type of mahogany, this one. I had a board similar to this. And the guy was like, is that mahogany? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's, I can't definitely say it is. It's, it's in the mahogany family, it's reclaimed, it's come from, you know, here. And he was like, I think that's disgusting. You're glamorizing the use of a tree that's uh, endangered. And I was like, you do realize this has been in a house for a hundred years and it was in a skip. Like, would you rather it just went and sat in a landfill or that it's now been made into something else and it has a purpose? And he was like, oh, and he was like, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not denying that it's not a beautiful product, but I just think you're glamorizing the use of it. And I was like, I I'm actually like, 
it's all about re reuse, recycle, like why not? It's, but you do get quite precious about things and it's like, because again, because I worked in a vintage shop as well, I don't have a problem with fur. Like, I, I mean, yeah, new fur, I get it. But this is stuff like I've got fur that my grandma gave me and things like that. And it's like, I'm not going to not wear it just because it's been dead for 200 years. But it's, a, it's the same for me with, with, you know, some of this timber, because it's like, this has such an amazing history. It's been in this Victorian townhouse for however long, like, why, why not reuse it? And why, you know, just, yeah, because it's an endangered tree and you don't get it anymore. Surely it's more special that it's come from this place and is now going to be something else. It's more just what comment, people's comments, because again, because it is so close to my heart. This is my life, like this is what, and when someone just says like a really dumb comment and you're just like, just go away. Like, it's not for you. Don't criticize about it, don't be mean. So I was at a market and, you know, had all my things laid out and someone literally went, 30 pounds for a spoon, are you kidding? And I was like, what? He goes, you know you can buy these from a pound in Ikea. And I was like, it's not for you then, is it? Like, it's fine. Yeah, I was sort of like, you know, polite. And then just having an argument with me about why is my stuff so expensive? And it's like, you do realize I've made this, like with my hands, with a knife. And he's like, you just don't get it. And it's like, okay, cool, well, go away. Like, stop arguing with me. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I like that sort of confrontation, especially when it's, it's so unnecessary. Like, yeah, you don't get it, cool. You're entitled to your opinion. Don't keep badgering me about it. And don't keep like, actually, like, who, you know, who are you to comment? Like, you don't really, you know, I don't come to your work and like, <laughs> you're doing a shit job putting those chips into that box. Like, come on, put them in a bit, you know, come on, I could do that. I think just hearing things from people that are just, you know, they're just in a job, they, they've got a career. And it's things like, comments like that from people that are just, just the most sort of grating sometimes when they just don't get it and that's fine but you don't know how much I put into this and it's how much hard work I put into getting to that point. And for them, I'm like, like so excited. And then just to be like, oh, right, okay, cool. I'm doing a few, I'm stupidly doing a course. I'm not booked it yet, but I'm hopefully doing it next week. Just learning different things. And it's just, you sometimes do need to just take that bit of time out and just like visiting other people's studios and just hanging out with them for the day and being like, right, okay. That, even if it's completely, so I'm doing a copper course, so it's n like nothing to do with what I do, but it's like forming things out of sheet copper. And it's like, cool. Like, I don't know how that will relate or how I can, you know, put it into the collection or whatever, but it's just nice to learn something new. I think that's really important as well. It's just continuing to learn and never be too, because I, 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 I totally agree with you. Like, yeah, you've got this one set of things and you've just sort of been, you've been doing that for a while. And it, it just sort of, I still enjoy doing it, but then it gets to a point where you're just like, oh, I'm just churning stuff out and it's just the same thing. And for my own sort of satisfaction, you know, why, I've, I've, you know, I used to love learning. I used to always go to courses. Why have I stopped? I don't know, I was having, so when I was looking for a studio space, it took me about six months to find anywhere that was willing to let me work and make noise and make dust. Cause it was like, oh yeah, yeah we've got a warehouse space. what do you do? Oh, no, we're desk-based creatives. And it's like, right. Why are you in like an old warehouse then? Like, okay. And I found this one artist studio and they were like, oh, well, you're not an artist, you're a business because you're selling your things. And it was like, is that how you sort of like measure it? So if you're an artist, you don't sell your things. But if you're a business, it was really, it was really, really cheap. And I just thought I'd apply. It was like, it was like an art scheme and I get it. 
but it was just like don't I, I really didn't I think I think that was a really bad way of putting it I was like it's really you shouldn't be saying that to people because that's really unfair like you know for, you know there could be an artist that's doing amazingly well selling all their stuff yet they can't you know uh, use those facilities because they're not because they're a business they're selling but it was weird I was, I've had this conversation a, a bit with people recently and it's like where do you draw the line at like art versus art versus business it's tricky and it's always sort of thing, you know, if your items are functional, it's not seen as art. To, to, to some, to, you know, to a lot of people, it will be seen as art. And, you know, they will, you know, functional art. Like, Zuma Sinna, like, all my pots, like, they're, to me, they're a piece of art. And I'll, I'll use them. Like, I'd much rather have <coughs> things like that than, like, you know, a mad sculpture that, you know, you, yeah, you can look at it, but you don't really get much joy out of it. It's not really... It's one of those things I quite like, things that are tactile and you can, you know, physically use. Yeah, I do like things to be used and, um, you know, I, I have quite expensive tastes and I know that there'll be things in my kitchen, when I have a kitchen, that are expensive. But it's worth it because it's, you know, I'd rather, you know, it's unique. It's, you know, I'd rather have that than just like a generic Ikea plate or whatever or something that's not you know, going back to, you'd rather go to that person that does that, that is a small person or a small company, rather than, you know, like the mass produced side of things. Cause you know, that not only you're supporting someone, but it's just that little bit more special, I guess. You, I'm willing to pay more money for something that's mm. handmade than, you know, and certain things anyway. But I just think it's, yeah, it's quite nice to have that sort of, just feels better. You feel good when you're wearing it and you feel like, yeah. Like I've worn that handmade shirt, great. But um, I think I'll be here for a little while, yeah. I think this space, it's, it's, I, well, I did used to share it. I can't live and, I mean, I'd love to live and work in the same space if it was my space. Like it's my parents, they're both retired now. They're at home all day. And it's just really tricky. Not only, I mean, it's, I love them, but there's only so much, especially when I'm there. And, <laughs> do you know what the worst thing is? It's like, do you want tea, Sophie? Yeah, please. It's like, I made you tea. Has it got milk in it? Yeah, I can't drink milk. Oh, oh yeah. It's like, mum, it's been like this for over 10 years now. She's like, oh yeah, I keep forgetting. And it's just like, I'll be on my laptop. And it's like, do you want to come shopping? And it's like, yeah, I've just got some work to do. Oh, you're not doing work. I am. Just because it's not like, eh, or like, you know, carving away. So it can be really tricky just trying to, and just getting that sort of headspace to be able to just like focus on something. And I'll be like furiously doing an email. And like my dad will come in and be like, so what's going on? And then you're like, oh my God, like, I just need, I, I just need my own space. and. And that's fine, like, I think, and I'm the only one there now, so I'm, like, uh, one of four, so it's, it's just me now, so it's like, hey, <laughs> what's going on? So I, and also just, you know, getting press, and photographers coming around and doing little films and things like that, like, it's their space, it's their home, so I don't want to just be traipsing people in and out all the time, so I just, I needed somewhere that was mine. I was, I was living in East when I moved in here, so it wasn't too bad, but I've since moved back, but... I can see myself here for a while, like they've said that they've got the building for a long time. I've built like mezzanine in here, so it's, I've invested a lot of like money into it as well. Sadly, they, oh, it's so annoying, they, you could have used to be able to get on the roof, but because we were always up there, they've locked the door now. It's too dangerous. But it's, yeah, it's really nice, it's really nice people, it's just, I wanted somewhere that was a kind of an office, but able to do both, so I'm still sort of, you know, temporary photography space and... It's one thing with light, all the spaces that I looked at, it was like no natural light, 800 pounds a month. It's like, why? But it is quite nice having 
So I stayed at a friend's yesterday that was in Highbury and it was about half an hour to get here. And having that journey is just quite nice because obviously I am here on my own all day and it is just me. So it's just nice having that like separation of sort of home and work. I actually really enjoyed working at home when I first started because it, it was all new and exciting and it was like, this is great, like I love it. But then it gets to the point where you're like, oh, fucking hell, like, you don't stop because it's, it's just there, you don't stop. So it's quite nice to be able to be like, right, I'm finished now and having that journey of going home. It's really tricky. So I'm looking to be, yeah, I'm moving southeast, so I'll be fairly local. And I think it's just a nice, nicer balance. Like, I love this part of London. It's so much cheaper. There's so much going on. And houses are beautiful around here. Well, not in this, not just here. <laughs> They're quite gross, but further, further away. So yeah, I guess it's just balancing it, trying to make it work. But it's been working for me so far. Like, I've not had any problems. Just trying to, yeah, just, continue but yeah I need to go up build up I've got all this wall space that I don't use it needs to be big shelving units I'm going to do a big unit on this wall I think I've just got all of this and I'm still like oh there's a really lovely timber yard I might go check out and it's like get use of all of this first and then so it's good oh yeah abundance of resources but I just need to actually get on and use them uh, cutting, sanding, I've got a lathe in here as well, so it's I do store a lot of timber in it, you could like all the off cuts that I get given. So it's no, like, you know, loads of old bits of, like, from old Tudor houses and things like that, from bits of old branches. Um, so this is basically my dusty room and where all the, the dusty stuff gets done to try and keep it separate from the rest of the space. So I've got my good old bandsaw, trusty bandsaw, planar thicknesser. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's like, and it, it can only do like a certain size, but it's just nice to have the option of doing it quickly and just like get it done. Uh, if just taking the surface off basically, but I'll still need to sand it after. So it's just, uh, depending on how sharp the blades are, I've not, and it's just one of those things. It just saves so much time. It is so worth it. So yeah, that was a nice little purchase. I try and sand very like to a minimum but it will need it sometimes I need the, the blade needs sharpening so it's it's not as sharp as it could be okay and that's another thing I've learned from a friend of a carpenter friend of mine he's like how often do you get your blades sharp and I was like hmm <laughs> you're not sharp them have you not got spares I was like you want me to take this off I was like I don't know how to do that it's like can you come around and do it for me it's just I want to make plates rather than bowls I really like little wooden like flat plates I've got a few of those which is quite nice but it literally cost me 50 quid off eBay and it's one of those things that to change the speed you have to like open it literally move the motor burn and it's like really old and a bit scary but it does the job so no just need to learn it a bit more then yeah my bandsaw so yeah like i said we've had a really basic one before but it's um does the job i mean i can live without the plane i think it's a i can live i can you know hand carve bowls but bandsaw i can yeah i couldn't live without that you could do it by hand but it would really take the joy out of it. It would be just like, <laughs> no. So yeah, that's, I'd say that, yeah. I, I mean, it was the, the first thing I bought was this tiny little hobby bandsaw. And that from then, oh, you know, did loads of other stuff. So that's basically it. And then my mask as well, because you need a mask. Gotta be safe while you're working. And then I've got some bags of just timber that's been dropped off by a timber reclamation company in London. So it's old bits of beach. Uh, I think most of it's from an old pub door. And there's some thicker bits of what looks like Iroko, but again, sometimes you can't tell until you've stripped it back and had a proper look at it. But um, that's quite nice. Uh, 
times. Yeah, loads of loads of different bits, which is nice, and it's it's quite fun sometimes trying to identify what's what. I've got quite a nice book that helps, but you just got again got to be really careful of like running that through the bandsaw and like any pins or nails and through the planar thicknesses the more terrifying. You've just got to be really careful. I've got no feeling in my fingertip from slicing it with a knife, but I tripped in a workshop. I was holding my knife, chatting to someone, not paying attention, tripped over their bag strap and just went straight in my leg, took a big slice in my thigh and I was like, oh, literally, this class was only about an hour in. So I just had to sort of like, just excuse me for a second, <laughs> like hobbled off and like patched myself up. And my friend was in the class and she said when I came back, I was green and she knew something bad had happened. And the nurse told me that I was lucky that I had so much fat in my thighs because I was able to, you know, not hit anything major, which is great. But yeah, no, I'm quite lucky, really. I think I've had a few sort of times when the bandsaw has kicked back or like things happen and you, 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 you just take a step back and you're like, this is dangerous and I need to slow down. And I'm here on my own, the door's locked, like, you know, I need to be really, really careful. So that's, I mean, safety is one thing I'm, yeah, you just need to be on top of it. So yeah, just got loads of storage. Again, all my timbers just from a lot of different salvage companies. So just get loads of that. I'm having to try and identify it, which is quite nice. Like all bits of school desks. Like this is all from an old school gym. This is all maple from an old school gym. So it's like, um, so it's quite nice. It says like made in Canada on some of them. It's tricky, yeah. I mean, there's been times when some of this stuff's come with tape on it, which is really cool. Like from the gym floor where it's where the marks have been laid out, but it's just, um, yeah. I guess with the stuff with food, if I was doing more sort of like tabletops and things like that, it would be okay, but. And then, yeah, so I've got my axe when I first started carving, and I was just using green, which was quite nice. And then a table that I've made from some a lovely big bit of spotted beach. I've managed to find that's covered in wormholes, but it's still beautiful. Can't get rid of it. I've always set myself a target of trying to make or at least start like 10 things. But I never hit that. I never. And it could be the thing is, it's like I'll, I'll maybe make four things and do loads of emails or take loads of pictures. So it's, it's tricky because there's so much more to it than just making spoons that it's never set in stone what you're going to do. So it's quite like, yeah, I've made maybe, I don't know, I think the most I ever made in one day. Uh, I must have been on like an absolute roll, like full of coffee. I think I made 30 teaspoons in a day. And that was, I don't think I've ever done it since, but that's pretty good going. I think there's been a few times when I've made a lot of things in one day and it has taken the joy out of it. So I try not to do it too much anymore. And try not to do too much the same thing as well, every day at least. So I'll do a few, you know, a few eating spoons here, a couple of coffee, coffee scoops and a couple boards. Like I'll try not to do a run of like 20 boards in a day because it'll just, you know, it's too much. Some spatulas, coffee scoops, things like that. So it's just trying to get decent collections together. And then I'm getting a collection over there of all the stuff that's going on my website. And then a collection over here of stuff that's going on like to another shop. So it's trying to sort of be like, oh, but that's really nice. I want that with me when I'm selling there. But then if I'm not going to be there, I need stuff that also looks really nice. And it's just really tricky to try and get the balance of what goes where and who gets the best stuff. But it's tricky as well because I'm like, but, but why is that better? I know I want it all to be... So that's like, I've got a pile up here of stuff I don't sell and it's just uh, stuff that's just more for me to use or I'm going to eventually put them all over the walls and get things used in the height in the room. Space up on top of the shed is just storage at the moment, but I was hoping to get um, just, yeah. St the, the plan is to, you know, always have loads of stock and have shelves of stock, but that's never going to happen because 
it doesn't work like that, sadly. But yeah, one day if I do turn into more of a homeware brand, then that'll just be like my stock room, things like that. Storage for timber. And I've got my grandma's armchair. So um, I inherited this an armchair set from my grandma. So it's an original 1960, 1970 Parker Knoll. So British made armchair. When I got it from her house, I've got two armchairs and a double sofa. It still had the plastic on it. So she had like this plastic cover on it. And I was like, take that off, thank you. <laughs> like perfect, perfect armchair. I, think I need to get new cushions for it, but it's genuinely, I normally just sit there, open my computer, do some emails before I do anything else. So it's, yeah. So yeah, I'm glad to have had that here actually. It's, it's really nice. And she was very much where I get my attention to detail from. Like always bought the most expensive clothes. Like would travel into central London just to buy a pair of shoes. Things like that. So yeah, she was a stickler for detail, which is yeah definitely where I got it from. And then just filled with plants because plants make me really happy. And there's so much light in here. You need to, I feel like there just needs to be a lot of greenery. And then I've got a lot of handmade pots from lots of different potter friends. I like trading items. So I've got a lot of stuff I've traded with people, which is quite nice because it's just quite nice to have that extra little bit of special story behind it. Yeah, I used to live in a, a really old house in Dalston and it was the same there. There was all these nice little corners and nice little bits and like nice tiles somewhere. So you'd sort of arrange it and like, just move that, just, just close that door. Just, you know, like arranging things as well. Yeah, again, that's coming from my visual merchandiser side of things. It's always just arranging things and making things look nice. Shelves of books, some more plants. I've got a little wrapping station behind here. Can't really see it at the moment. Little bits and pieces, just yeah, a lot of cups. So I've started to do a few dinners in here as well. So I'm hoping to do a few more of those in the new year. Um, they seem to be quite popular. So everyone eats off a handmade plate. They've all got a handmade cup. Every like you know they've had the trivet on the table, the candlesticks, and it's just really nice. So you're in like a, a studio that makes things that are handmade. All the food is handmade. It's just really, it's just a quite a nice concept that it's really small. So it's made about eight people, and it's um it's just a nice use of the space that's different to what it normally is so I've got um we had a little supper in here a few weeks ago so yeah I'm trying sort of I mean I've got so many I mean I've got a bag of offcuts I mean all underneath the bandsaw it just all goes home and goes in the um fireplace a lot of it there's some there's something I get to a point where I'm like I just need to let it go like <laughs> there's no use for this anymore it needs to just go in the fire like it just ends up being like so much bits that I save and it's just pointless. That's full of timber, all this timber. There's loads up there. That chest is full as well, like those two boxes. There's just so much of it. And I feel like it sometimes holds me back a little bit having the little offcuts because I need the space and I get, I get it. But at the same time, I just, I know I'm a hoarder and I know that I need to just draw a line under it somewhere because I've only been here a year and there was so much stuff in here. I have had that once. Um, and I was really upset about it. The lady bought a spoon, I think it was a spoon, and it was quite a big one, it was maybe like a big, big cooking spoon, so it was quite pricey. And she was just like, it wasn't what I was expecting, I don't like it. And I was just like, oh, all right. And I didn't really know what to say, and it's like, well, do you know what? This is the first time, it's the only time it's ever happened, actually. It's only been that once, and everyone else has liked it. I think the more, the stuff that I worry about more is sort of, like wholesale stuff and stuff and commission, private commissions, that's what I worry about more because they pay you up front for it and then you get an item and you're just like, oh, 
is it is it okay like this project I did for this restaurant I didn't hear back from them for two weeks after it and I didn't realize they were on holiday I was losing my mind for that two weeks just like they hate it this project I've been working on for like three months solidly they hate it I've not heard from them and they're like oh they've been on holiday yeah it's fine and it's just like oh right fine but yeah I, I worry about it all the time to me, he was like, so, are you a professional spoon carver? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he was like, well, do you do it for a living? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, so you're a professional? I was like, I'm not. And he was like, no, you, that's what my understanding of professional is. And I was like, no, I'm not, no. And, and then I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I kind of, from an outside perspective, I am, yeah. But I was just like, absolutely not. Like, I don't know what you're on about. I just make spoons. And he was like, you're a professional. I was like, really? Wow. Spoons professionally. Like, that's, that's hilarious. Like, you didn't really think of it that way until sort of, yeah, sometimes it's other people pointing things out to you and you're like, what? See, we had to do an exercise for the Prince's Trust about your customer and who you thought your customer was. And it was actually really helpful. Um, I don't know, it's, it, I mean, it, I think it really varies. The people that I see face to face tend to sort of be um, sort of 30s, in their 30s, designers, architects, makers, like a lot of my contemporaries as well are my customers. But then I do get the sort of 70 year old lady who ha loves wooden spoons. Or, you know, like the 80 year old man who once made a spoon once and just likes my story and likes what I do. It's, it's really, really varied. Like it's, it's quite nice actually, because there isn't just one particular person, but it does seem to be the sort of person that's a bit more settled, like they've probably had kids already bit older, like their kids are a little bit older, sort of teenagers, they have more of a disposable income to be able to spend on handmade items, but they also have an appreciation for handmade and a, an appreciation for, um, you know, a craft as well. And, you know, there's, sometimes they're the sort of person that wishes that they could do it themselves, which is quite nice as well, because then they're just so like, oh, I love that, I really love that you're doing that. You know, like, I'm sat behind a desk all day, or I'm a graphic designer, I never get to make things, and I just love the fact that this has been made. Another thing as well, like that's one thing that people have said to me at markets. There'll be a, so like a set of salad spoons. So like together, see that they're a salad set, and they'll be like, "What's that one for?" And you're like, "What? Like, have you never seen a salad set?" And it's like, "It's for salad." And they're like, "Well, how'd you pick salad up with that?" And I'm like, "You use them both." And they're like, "No." Like, sorry, have you never had salad before? <laughs> like, how are you eating your salad? It's so funny, some of the stuff that people say, it, it really like, some, sometimes I really do have to bite my tongue and just like, have I made this up? Like, am I, am I really dumb and have I just made up something really stupid? No, 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 it's not me, it's not me, this is a thing.